We laugh. We cry. We learn. But really, what doesn't kill you makes you better at managing clients and everyone. I'm Morgan Friedman, and this is Client Horror Stories. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Client Horror Stories, our friendly educational podcast for younger versions of ourselves, so all you listeners and watchers can avoid the mistakes we have made. I'm honored and excited to have uh, today Scott Kavitan. I hope I pronounced your Nailed last it. name correctly. Nailed it. Woohoo. Yeah, um, who, I, who I contacted after I read a great article of his uh, um, about, about some processes he set up, and I was like, I'm sure he has lots of great stories. Let's do an interview and find one. And here we are. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, I think you're the, the first person to read that blog post for about in about 10 years or something like that, but it's okay. It was about meeting I'm, rules and all that kind of stuff, which is great. Well, I, on the one hand, I would say some things are timeless and essential. On, on the other hand, I'd say I'm pretty good at getting to like the page 100 of Google results to find the obscure stuff. <laughs> totally, totally. That's great. Um, so let's jump right, uh, jump right in. I'm sure you you, you chose a, a, a quite a, quite an exciting story. Tell tell us the context and then and then what happened. Yeah, I, you know it's funny. I talked to a couple of my <clears throat> um, Urban Airship co-founders and said, you know, did we have any significant challenges uh, with any like sort of client horror stories? And they they brought one to mind that I thought was really funny. It was actually our very first customer. Um, and it wasn't so much a <clears throat> horror story as it was us uh, overestimating our abilities, um, or I should say, actually, uh, me overpromising our abilities. Um, so <clears throat> I'll just kind of dive into the story. But um, so so go back to like 2009. Um, the iPhone's been out for a little while. Steve Ballmer's calling calling it cute, um, and everybody thinks it's kind of a joke. But you know, clearly there's some momentum there. And uh, Apple announced uh, iPhone OS 3.0. Uh, which was going to have two new things, uh, one called push notifications and the other one called uh, in-app purchase, which is basically, you know, everybody knows what in-app purchase is now, but we didn't, you know, back then it was like, wow, this is really innovative. Yeah. And uh, one of my, <clears throat> at the time, uh, the four of us were technically unemployed. We've been working for another company. Um, I was the VP of engineering there and, and the company just told yeah. it is a rough time. You know, we're talking financial crisis, all that kind of stuff. And uh, <clears throat> so um, Steven, our co-founder and CTO, came to us and said, hey, this new thing's coming out uh, in about a month uh, from Apple. And there are these push notification things. And it was, we were under NDA with Apple because of, you know, how they do it. So the developers can learn about that stuff, but you can't talk about it. You can't tweet about it. You can't write an email about it, all that kind of stuff. So we had some insider know-how on that. And we were like, oh, this is pretty interesting. So he dug in and said, you know, I think there's a product here. I think it's pretty interesting. And I said, okay, awesome. Mm -hmm. And so we were debating becoming a, an iPhone agency and doing app development at, you know, 300 bucks an hour. And, you know, the market was huge. And, but I sort of told the team, you know, look, I, I like to make money when we're sleeping. And so <clears throat> Steven's like, okay, I, I think there's a, an interesting product here, um, but I'm not sure. And I said, no, 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 that's it. That's what we're doing. Let's do it. And I said, but instead of, of wasting a bunch of time and saying, you know, we're going to do this in three months or six months or whatever, I said, let's do this and let's launch something in 30 days. And uh, we got that because uh, one like of my other talents. What's that? 
I like the challenge. Yeah, and it's it's funny because we'd started another company um, about a year before that that was selling bacon online, and we did the same challenge. We said, okay, let's launch this company in 30 days, and we did it in 21 days. So that was something that just kind of stuck with us. Um, I like it too because it's a, a small outlay to dedicate 30 days, um, and if you fail, you can shut it down really quickly. Um, more importantly, if you get it to market and nobody's there, guess what? You only lost 30 days. You can pivot or you can try something new. Um, I really get you know, exhausted listening to founders who are like, yeah, we've been working on this for a year and a half. I'm like, how many customers do you have? Oh, well, none. We're, we haven't launched it yet. It's in, you know, it's private, it's stealth or whatever. You know, I don't have time for that stuff. Um, so uh, I said, okay, let's launch in 30 days. And so the team was like, well, that's Bonkos, but okay, we'll do it. It won't be really sexy. We'll have an API. We won't have a really nice dashboard or anything, but we'll have an SDK and all that good stuff. I said, great. So we get about three weeks in and we're about a week from when Apple's going to announce this whole thing and a week from our deadline. And the team looks at me and they're like, yeah, we're, we're going to do it. We're pretty close. And I'm like, oh shit. Like I didn't actually think they'd do it. Um, and so sure enough, uh, you know, we're getting closer and closer and I have to get like, my job is to go figure out how we're going to sell this thing, how we're going to get it in people's hands. So I said, uh, well, geez, there's the big WW develop, uh, the worldwide developers conference, yes. WWDC. And at the time they had this thing called the Steve note, the keynote. Um, that they did every, every time. And I said, Oh, great. I'll go down there and I'll just, I'll raise a ruckus and get into the show and do all that stuff. Well, um, it was so oversubscribed. It was impossible to get a ticket, especially a week out. So I was kind of screwed, but I said, you know what, I'll go down anyway. So I flew down, ran into some people who said, you know, why don't you go down to the line? And I said, what line? They said, well, around midnight, um, the night before the keynote, um, people start lining up festival, uh, seating, you know, sort of, you know, in a line because it's festival seating at the event. Um, and so I said, oh, okay, great. So uh, I went to Costco and bought about $1,500 of donuts and danishes and a variety of, you know, like napkins and all that kind of stuff. And I printed up a little placard um, that, that just sort of said, we do push notifications, all that stuff. And I showed up at the line around, I think 4.30 or five in the morning, um, piled out of a cab. This is pre-Uber, so I piled out of a cab a little cart and just started scooting around. And then there were probably 2000 people in line already at five in the morning. And uh, it turned out it was like fantastic. So I'm just handing out danishes. I'm handing out this thing, push is coming, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I get to, I get to, you know, the end of the line, which is all the way around Moscone, which is a whole, you know, the, you know, a whole city block. I know the Moscone Center. Yeah, it's pretty long. And, uh, and so I, I get done, I hand out all my, my things. The line, the doors open at 9 a.m. Everybody goes in and I'm like, well, I guess, I guess that's it. You know, like, uh, and so I um, just sort of let the, the keynote went off. Everything was really exciting. Uh, and while I'm there, there's probably um, three or four other companies that I see that are launching the identical push notification service because they all saw the same thing, right? So um, see, and, what's that? Ooh, I just said, ooh. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, so it's, it's, uh, so we're sitting there kind of freaked out a little bit. And I'm like, oh, God, these people are, you know, launching these products and, and this is going to be, we're going to get crushed. And I looked at their websites and they had these sexy design websites. So we, we had this just cheap, I'm serious, it was so cheesy. We had a logo that we begged, borrowed, and steal, stole to, to get made. And, um, it just was, it was really, it was really kind of funny. And, uh, but what was interesting is normally when Steve Jobs would get up on stage, They'd and they do this now, they announce a bunch of features and then that's in June. And then the idea is that the developers get to play with them over the summer and then they do the full release in the fall. 
And this time, uh, because these were in such high demand, Steve Jobs said, instead of September, these are going to be available in seven days. And so all of a sudden we're like, oh my God, seven, this is exciting. <clears throat> and sure enough, I start getting um, inbounds from that little card that I had. Uh, and it was people saying, hey, we, we want to do push notifications. You said you can do it, right? And uh, the first call that I got was um, from a company called Tapulus. And I knew the CEO back in the day. So Tapulus had a game called Tap Tap Revenge, which was like Guitar Hero. And it was the number one game on the app store. And uh, so Bart uh, DeCrem, who was the CEO, called me and he said, uh, hey, we want to be the first app in the app store with push. He's like, you guys do that stuff, right? And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, can you do that? And I said, oh, yeah, 100%. We'll, be the, we'll, we'll help you guys. We'll work with your team. We can do that. No sweat. Because uh, his team had looked at the, the uh, docs and realized they couldn't get it done in a week. And so they needed to partner with somebody. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I said, okay, well, let's just do it, Bart. Let's just, let's make it go. You and I will figure out the terms of the deal later. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, at least throw us a bone on the press side of things. And he said, oh, absolutely. That's great. So I connected to, I actually called my team and I said, hey, I got our first customer. And they're like, oh, awesome. You got our first customer on day one? I said, yeah. And they're like, who is it? And I said, it's uh, Tapulous. And it just sort of went dead silent on the other end of the, the phone. And they're like, our first customer is the biggest app on the app store. And I said, yeah, yeah, this is going to be great. <laughs> and so we connected the engineering teams. Uh, they, ha they had a phenomenal uh, head of engineering. Her name is Jessica Kahn. Uh, and she was just a saint to work with because she, she knew that we didn't have everything together. Um, and that was okay. Uh, but they knew that they just needed something to work. And Sure enough, the team was able to pull this together. Um, and over the course of the next five days, they were able to, to ship it for Tapulous. You know, there were definitely some ins and outs and there were some pains. Uh, and then, you know, Bart and I negotiated a deal, um, <clears throat> which was, you know, from a cash perspective was like a thousand bucks a month or something. But uh, at the end of the day, we got press out of it and it ended up being a TechCrunch article. And that just sort of like really spiraled on things. But along the way, I mean, pretty much every week with um, Tapulous, I kept making promises that, that uh, you know, the engineering team wasn't ready to deliver. And so we definitely had some grief and I had to give some credits to them uh, in terms of like monthly credits and, you know, not pay for things. And uh, I, I sort of spoke out of turn a little bit with our press stuff. So I, I kind of turned them into a, a painful customer. Um, so it's not like a horror story, but we definitely had to deal with that on, on a, on a semi-regular basis, um, you know, along so, those same so, lines. Sorry, go ahead. So, so, I, I have a question. I always find the introspective angle so, uh, especially interesting, whereas because you're 10 years younger, first client, so le less experienced than, uh, than, than you are now. I'm intrigued at your hint that, that you did some things that turned them into, uh, a, into a challenging client. What are some things that you did and that you've learned? So now, now you no longer do, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a balancing act early on. I mean, it's, it's funny if you've, if you've watched the WeWork or the, the Theranos um, documentaries, um, you know, they're a fine line between brilliance and fraud. And, you know, Steve Jobs made a bunch of, of promises that he wasn't sure would be able to deliver. Um, Bezos did back in the day. Um, but, but, you know, they, they ended up succeeding, you know, and, and, you know, I look at, I look at sort of Theranos and, and, uh, we work in the same way now, granted, I didn't do anything that crazy. Um, but, uh, I definitely pushed the envelope in terms of, you know, features that we could promise timelines that we could get them done in. And what was funny was my co-founders would be in meetings with me, 
and I would promise something or I'd say, oh yeah, yeah, we can do that. It'll take us a couple of weeks or, oh yeah, it's on the roadmap, things like that. And uh, they would flinch, like they would like visibly flinch next to me. And I'd like, we'd get out of the meeting. And I'm like, just don't worry. You know, we promised this thing, but it's, it's okay. We have time, we can buy time and, and things like that. And pretty soon uh, within about six to nine months, my co-founders started hearing me do that in a meeting and then they would pile on and go, oh yeah. And in addition, we can do this, this, and this. And I'm like, I know we can't do that, but uh, it was kind of funny to watch. Um, and then, you know, in terms of, of things that, that I did to kind of push them into that, that realm uh, specifically, you know, <clears throat> when um, TechCrunch reached out to do the, the story on us, uh, this guy named Marshall Kirkpatrick, who's just awesome, phenomenal writer, r- really great dude. And uh, he, you know, sort of, he asked me, so did you guys kind of save their bacon? And I said, oh, absolutely. And it was kind of a play on the fact that I was selling bacon before that and everything. Uh, but the headline was, you know, urban airship saves Tapulus's bacon, right? And, and of course, that makes Tapulus look like crap with their investors and all that kind of stuff. And so um, that was, that was a, a huge no-no. And I had to, I had to like, uh, I, I had to go beg and plead uh, with Bart not to, not to turn us off. Um, and, but at the end of the day, like the ink that we got from that was so freaking huge and pushed us so far ahead of our competitors. The other thing that's really interesting there too, is everybody flooded to us because we had a downloadable SDK. We had, we had, you know, documentation and we had a support team on an IRC channel, you know, sort of like pre Slack Slack. And, uh, uh, and so we had people flooding in asking us questions, all the other competitors that had their big, sexy, swanky parties that first night. Uh, that we're talking all this stuff that have these beautifully designed websites had one thing on their website and it was enter your email and we'll let you know when the beta is ready. And uh, there was probably a a 45 to 60 day gap between them releasing and us being live and and it being live in the app store. And that was the difference for us to lock up that market uh, for the first probably three years. Um, And we even had one of our competitors uh, end up handing all their customers over to us because they just wanted to get out of the business. Uh, but they want to do right by their customers. So, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's interesting. Uh, and I'm like kind of all so, over the, but yeah, sorry about so, that. So I, I like picking, picking out what I find interesting and diving in for a little bit. Yeah. I'm fascinated by this TechCrunch anecdote where there is this joke about the bacon that eludes and it turns into the headline, which, which, which embarrasses the client. And there, I think there's a really good lesson to come from that detail, which is the role of humor that it's that a lot of people just always try to be funny it, like it makes boring situations more fun and it shows off your cleverness and you and, and you entertain the others but but it's really easy to remember that the other side can often misinterpret the humor or let's say or let's say take a minor little joke and what happened here turn it into the into the literal headline which completely changes the dynamic of the joke yeah, I mean, had it been buried, you know, in the third or fourth paragraph, nobody. <laughs> yeah. would it. No, but exactly. it, it was a it was a a, cl- a clicky clickbaity line, um, I think, for folks. And um, you know, Mar- Marshall wasn't known for doing that, of course. Um, but it, but it just yeah. was, you know, it caught people's attention and it got them talking about it. And um, you know, it was interesting because there were there were so many customers that were in that line um, who ended up reaching out to us, uh, you know, in the weeks after that event. Um, and it, you know, that $1,500 we spent on donuts and danishes was, was probably the best money we've, we've ever spent at the company, obviously. Um, and, uh, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I like the detail it reminds me a bit of the famous Airbnb Obama O's, 
uh, story story as well. Um, okay, so so I like the the I, so there are a few lessons from here. One lesson is be careful when you make jokes; they can be taken out. There's another point that you mentioned in passing that that I want to call out on because it's interesting. Is you mentioned Jessica, who is your project manager on the, on their side that you interact with, and you said she was awesome. And I think that's important because because especially when you're inexperienced or younger or making mistakes, having having a great counterpart in the client side like smooths over so is uh, so many problems. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's, it's actually a, a lesson that, um, you know, we learned early on both with Tapulous, but also, you know, we applied, you know, moving forward. We found that <clears throat> so many people were under so much pressure to deliver on mobile and people had been moved into mobile uh, as head of mobile or director of mobile, VP of mobile, whatever. Uh, and they had no clue what they were doing. So they were looking for expertise that they could trust. And what we learned is if we could succeed for them and turn them into all-stars internally, they would then love us, talk about us, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so if we could make them heroes, that was game over. And what was really interesting is we had so many customers that we turned into internal heroes at, you know, ESPN and Warner Brothers and um, I mean, Starbucks, you name it. They would go on to other roles at other places. And the first call they would make would be us. Um, to pull us in and um, you know it's how we ended up getting the NHL the NBA like all, all these because folks would leave ESPN and go to these other places and then they'd call us and we'd get that business and that, that was really really effective and I, I still to this day firmly believe that finding that internal champion and somebody who's trying to kind of punch a little bit above their weight uh, internally and and wants to to you know sort of has some ambition and if you can help enable them and really get them to succeed uh, you're, you're, you're going to have so much success from a product perspective. I, I'm happy. I mentioned about, about Jessica because this is, this is an awesome and also a subtle lesson. So I'd love to hear like, what is something you did in detail to like help Jessica or, or people in that sort of position punch above their weight? Because I like what you're, what you're saying makes sense to me in theory, but I'm, I'm not like, yeah, great. You want to make them look good. So, so they'll be excited to make you look good, but I don't, I, 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 I don't see how to translate that into it. Yeah. Into I mean, I guess in the, in the case of, uh, in the case of Jessica, I mean, she, she was phenomenal and she could have built a team that would have built our product, you know, in probably three or four weeks, but she needed it to go now. And the pressure for her was coming both from her CEO, Bart. Um, <clears throat> and also the fact that, you know, they were the number one game in the app store. Right. So, they have to be out there. So that's right, right, sort right. Of a burden there. And, and, you know, I was, we, I was really lucky to have some phenomenal technical co-founders. Um, <clears throat> Adam Lowry uh, specifically was kind of our keel. Um, you know, we had, we had Steven who was our, our CTO and he was kind of the, he continues to be, I still work with him to this day. Um, the brainiac comes up with all these ideas, can put anything together, self-taught himself, all kinds of things. Like, he, he self-taught himself Mandarin so that he could work with um, factories in China directly to be able to do printed circuit boards because he taught himself how to build printed circuit boards. Anyways, it just gives you an idea. Amazing. Yeah, and then uh, Michael Richardson uh, was basically our head of product and, and Michael uh, was just so phenomenal in front of, of customers. He had a poli-sci degree from Reed and I just absolutely love Reedy's. Um, that's where Steve Jobs went for a couple of years. And uh, it's just... They're just so, they think so outside of the box and, and, and phenomenal. 
and he was kind of a bleeding edge kind of guy. wasn't super strong technically, um, but was was really strong enough. And then Adam had a master's in computer science. He had that that sort of you know that keel that we needed. Um, and he was the direct interface with um, with Jessica. And Jessica, once she started talking to to Adam, she felt a lot better because she knew that there was an adult in the room uh, who was who was going to make sure that everything was the trains were going to run on time. And that was you know Adam was phenomenal at that. So. So I, I love this breakdown of the, of the different personalities of the founders, which actually I think leads to another interesting, uh, uh, interesting lesson, which is among the four of you, I think it is, each of you fulfilled a different role, a little bit like good cop, bad cop, but a more sophisticated version. There is the, okay, the person who knows how to talk smart to this sort of person in the way that, the, the way that will, uh, that will charm them and so on. And, and I, th I think a, a, a great a great lesson is on your team. Make sure you have different people with different communication management types of styles, so so you can interact healthily with it with the different types. Yeah, and I think I think there's a couple things um, to speak to that too. <clears throat> we had all worked together <clears throat> at the last company, so we we'd kind of figured out how to work together. Now I was the VP of engineering; they they all worked for me there. And so I had to sort of answer to, you know, a higher power and, you know, we had to make decisions that we didn't want to because we felt like they were the wrong decisions from a business perspective. Um, and so that was frustrating, but that sort of, um, you know, really strengthened our relationship. And then when, when the business, when that business spun down and we were all trying to figure out what we wanted to do, um, you know, we knew we wanted to do something together because we had worked so well together and we'd gone through some of those pains around, um, you know, it's hard to find a brand new co-founder and go through some difficult times uh, if you haven't been through some difficult times before, right. uh, because you're effectively getting married. I mean, it's almost more than getting married because you're, you're tying up, you know, potentially uh, investor money. Um, you've got equity. You've got, there's all these things you have to, you have to take into consideration. Um, and we just, we won the freaking lottery. I, I feel like uh, from a, from a co-founding team and we were able to just hit the ground running really, really fast. And um, you know, for me, <clears throat> you know, I learned, from the fire hose as a CEO. And it's the only way to learn is to kind of do it. And, uh, you know, hindsight being 2020, I, I would have given Michael a much stronger product role um, because he ultimately ended up step stepping up to run all of our products. Um, but we kept saying, well, <clears throat> he's not trained in product. He's never done product, but he actually had phenomenal instincts and was so good with the customers that he could pull out what they needed. He just, I think he just didn't know it. And I didn't know that he could do that. And um, so much so that I actually ended up <clears throat> sending him when we opened our office in London, uh, I sent him for he and his wife for a year to London to help sort of anchor that office and really, you know, embed with that team and out of it, what happened was he met with so many customers. He, he was just brimming with product ideas when he returned that we just put him in charge of product. And I mean, the rest is kind of history. And, uh, but, but, you know, it was awesome for him to take that for the team. I mean, you know, we took care of him and got him over there, but, you know, he had to, you know, uproot his life to go live in London and, uh, you know, he enjoyed it, but he was glad to get home. <laughs> Great story. And by, and by the way, uh, I'm going to extract a lesson out of that. It's fun for me extracting the, the lessons out, out, out of your media anecdotes. Um, you said that one of the reasons why you didn't realize sooner that Michael was a great partner was he wasn't trained in it. And I think this is another lesson that comes with experience that, uh, that when you're younger, right, you start doing this right out of college. You're like, oh, wait, you need, you need a major in this. You know, you study, you know, you're good at it. While after years, you, you realize that that's a lot less important than 
having instincts and intelligent yeah. and obsession and instincts, intelligent obsession wrapped together, you can kind of figure anything out. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, again, I, I also like to hire folks um, who, you know, <clears throat> want to kind of buck for a promotion or, or looking to punch a little bit above their weight. Um, the, the other thing, so I, I used to run a, um, I started this uh, group called the Open Source Lab uh, back, I don't even know, I don't want to date myself, like 2004, 2005, I think. And it was uh, this group that we did at Oregon State University. And what happened was I had saved a whole bunch of money for the university by switching from like digital Unix and Solaris to Linux. So we had a bunch of commodity PCs um, and, you know, through redundancy and all that good stuff, you know, we felt comfortable with it. And it was a huge transition. We ended up saving like $450,000 a year for the university. And so uh, the provost, the, the basically the CIO for the, for the university at the time was like, wow, this is really cool. He's like, what could you do with some of that money that we saved? And I said, oh, well, I'd, I'd start this thing called the Open Source Lab because it's done so much for us. We wouldn't have it if it weren't for open source. He's like, okay, I like it. He's like, take 300 of it and, and run with it. And I was like, okay. So we ended up building this thing called the Open Source Lab and ultimately ended up hosting things like the Linux kernel. Uh, we, we hosted Mozilla when it spun out of uh, AOL, the very, you know, back when Firefox 1.0 was such a huge deal. We actually hosted the, download, the uh, 1.0 download the day that it launched, which was wow. an awesome, awesome day. Um, Drupal was there. I mean, we, there were so many different, you know, uh, Debian, all these things uh, uh, live there. And what was, and I'm coming back to the point of your, yeah, yeah. don't worry, I promise. Yeah. What was awesome was we, we had a, we started to get grants and things from uh, folks like Google and, and other companies um, <clears throat> because they knew we were supporting them. So then we could hire a team of, of you know, staff. And what they were is we just hired uh, students. Um, and I remember having students coming in that were, you know, 18 years old. They were like, they had no idea what they couldn't do. And we absolutely loved it because we'd, we'd throw projects at them that, that we couldn't do. And we just said, go figure this out. You got a week. And, you know, two or three days later, they'd come back and they're like, yeah, I got it all done. It's auto deploys. It's, you know, I remember we had to like build out our, our LDAP infrastructure and this, this guy named Alex Polvey, um, uh, who we'd hired, who was just such it's probably one of the most amazing hires we ever did. Um, he actually went on to to start a couple different companies, um, and he's had some just phenomenal exits. But what I loved was he we just threw him in, uh, you know, <laughs> over his head, and he just figured it out. And I always I always love that about uh, about folks. Um, uh, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I. Oh, uh, okay. So uh, so to, to wrap it around. To uh, choose your team carefully, choose the client carefully, choose who you work with, uh, who who you interface with uh, uh, carefully. I think I think these are all uh, useful useful lessons and great stories as well. Totally, yeah, yeah, for sure. And and uh, again, you know, you, you put people in a, in a spot where they have to kind of figure it out themselves, and and they they tend to be able to do that especially if they're motivated and, they, and they're excited about what you're, you're trying to do. I mean, it's a lot so, harder to do that if you're building like a healthcare startup that isn't changing the world. But if you're doing something that, you know, is really something fundamental to people and it makes them feel like it's changing something. So I, I happen to use a very similar approach. I just throw people into things. I know it's, I know it's above their head. Um, but I think my twist on it, I'm just curious for, uh, for your approach, your approach towards is I also fire very quickly both employees and also I fire clients. Uh, so sometimes, like as soon as I see the yellow flags, 
it's better to just like cut it two weeks in uh, than just like drag drag on and on and on because I think I think the the risk of throwing people in over their head is guess what far more people drown <laughs> drown when they go when yeah. they go into the event than figure out how to become an Olympic mm-hmm. swimmer. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think there's, um, you know, doing it, doing it again, I, I probably would have done something like that where basically folks are on a probationary period. Um, and you, you say it's a mutual probationary period, maybe they're not gonna like working for us. Um, and then just see what kind of output they have, you know, over the course of the first, you know, 30, 60 days, whatever it is. What's really interesting is, is if you dig into on, on sort of the sales side of things now, they have uh, AI tools that will predict based on email activity, phone activity, how successful uh, an SDR will be, a sales development rep will be. Uh, and they can determine that without, within the first three days, um, which is like kind of scary. <laughs> wow. I, but uh, I yeah, there's some pretty existed. cool tools that do this stuff now. They, they, and they will fish or cut bait, um, you know, in three days. It's crazy. Uh, I like the phrase. <laughs> I like the phrase fish or cut bait. I usually use the much more vulgar shit or get off the pot. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you're wanting to keep this PG rated. Oh, I mean, I, I, think, I've, I think I swore already, but yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, have you tried, out of curiosity, have you tried it to like that? Like, it, like is a prediction accurate or have you only just read, read about it and who knows? Uh, wait, predictions for? Uh, after the first three three days of oh, data. Oh, oh, no, I've only, I've only read about it. Yeah. About um, it. Although I, I do have one SDR that I've chatted with who, who was at a company that was using that tool and they all hated it um, because they could ferret out people really quickly. Um, and it just felt a little, a little, you know, a little big brother-ish. Um, you know, if you're hitting your numbers, you're hitting your numbers. And, you know, so if you, I, I don't know, it's, I, I get it, but I also- uh, I see. I also understand the tool and, and you want to get maximized productivity. So, yeah. I see. I see. So that tool does the same sort of thing I do, except I'm a human smelling it while right. as opposed to some program by the numbers. And I think people are scared of the big brother program that, that only looks at the numbers while humans are at least theoretically better at taking into and contextual data. The first three days were bad, but you know, her mother also died on the yeah, first yeah, day. Exactly. And <laughs> so the, these are great, are great lessons. I, um, I, I like the story. Any other final thoughts or lessons uh, or tips to share about dealing with uh, challenging clients to, uh, to round up today's session? No, I, th- I think you nailed it on the uh, hit the hit the nail on the head around, you know, fire quickly, uh, both with clients and with with teams. Um, you know, they're definitely, uh, you know, we, we never fired any customers at urban airship, uh, but boy, there were definitely some folks that I would have loved to just cause they were, they were kind of a pain or, you know, they, they, for what they were paying, they were asking a lot, you know, sort of that choosy beggars kind of thing. Um, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, you, you just kind of, you do what's right for them. You do right. And, and think of the, the company as a whole and, and then just move past it. And guess what, you know? Ultimately, you're going to be, you know, way out ahead. Um, I, I agree with that. On the fire faster, both employees and clients. What I would add, add is, it's not just about saving money because oh, you this client isn't like isn't paying enough, or that employee isn't productive enough. But more than that, and even more than the money, 
it's about this energy and emotional distraction. Like some employees and some clients just like suck you into their orbit yeah. in the most negative sense of, of, of the orbit. And that's, and that, and it's taken me years and painful lessons in, in order to have the strength of resisting the dollar signs. Oh, I know it's, in, uh, I know it's negative energy, but I really want all those zeros. And, uh, and um, now uh, hopefully older, definitely older, perhaps but wiser. It's, uh, I, have, I have the strength to be able to, uh, uh, to, to resist that better. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, we, we definitely had some challenging customers and, you know, we, we had, uh, we had a phenomenal customer success team. Um, and I can remember times, you know, it was interesting. We, we had this one woman on our team um, who was just, she was so good. Uh, she was so good with the customers. And, and what was interesting is, and I, this, this may sound kind of weird and I don't want it to, but um, she was fully aware um, of it because she knew that she could diffuse a situation because a lot of times you have like an engineer on the other side at, at, a, at a client and they're dealing with another engineer on our side and they're just, they're just butting heads. And we'd sort of bring her in as a, as a woman, which was a rarity in the space. Like it was rare that these, you know, it's not, it's a male dominated space. And she knew that she was a ringer. She could come in and just do exactly what she does. And it would diffuse the situation every time. I mean, it was, it was, it was really, I mean, it was fantastic. Um, and it was awesome that she acknowledged that, you know, she was able to do that as, as a woman in the space because she was such a rarity. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't use it all the time, um, but she was, you know, she, she was awesome. She was so good. Yeah. Anyways. These, I, these are uh, great lessons. And what I, what I enjoyed most about this, uh, this interview to, uh, to wrap it around is in my previous ones, a lot of the people have the same sort of lessons. Oh, make sure you agree to this in advance. Make sure you document that and so on. But all of today's lessons were just, were a bit left field. So it's, it's oh, yeah. it might, might much more subtle. Yeah. I like it. I think, I think most of my career is in left field, let's be honest. So. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think that's the way to do it. Who, who wants to be an <laughs> automaton? Yeah, like like what, one day you're going to die. And, uh, and yeah, actually there are a whole bunch of cliches. I'll, I'll try to avoid the cliches tonight. Everyone can see where I'm going. <laughs> it's all good. Um, yeah, uh, this, this was great. Uh, uh, thank you, thank you for the time, and everyone watching or listening. I hope you both enjoyed it and got as much value out of this as uh, as as I did. Awesome, thanks, Morgan. Appreciate it.